If you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 5 tonight, please. Proverbs chapter 5. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 20 through 22. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 20 through 22. The title of the message tonight is A Strange Embrace. A Strange Embrace. Last week we finished in verse 19 where Solomon, speaking to husbands about their wives, said, Be thou ravished always with her love. The Greek word translated ravished has the idea of exceeding the boundaries of something. In our language we might say that your love for her should be off the charts. You see how that works? When I was a kid, I remember watching cartoons. I know y'all have seen them. I bet everyone, almost everyone in here has seen them. When a cartoon character is getting so angry, so mad, that they turn into a thermometer. Y'all have seen that? And what happens when they get really, really angry? That mercury comes up to the top, and what happens to their head? It goes... That anger exceeded the boundary that was measurable. You see? And that's the idea here. When it says be ravished with her love, it means man, let your love for her be off the charts. As the heat of that anger was immeasurable, let your love be the same way. That's what it means to be ravished with her love. Now, ladies, the Bible doesn't tell the husband to be ravished with his love. It tells him to be ravished with your love. Always be ravished with her love. In other words, he should be ravished with your love for him. If your wife loves you, then be ravished with that love. Develop that love. Grow that love. Nurture that love. Be thrilled that God has given you a woman who loves you. I've been studying this and last night I I came home and I went around to, when I got home from work, I went around to look at my fig tree. And uh, I knew there was one little fig on there that uh, needed to be pulled off. So I went over there to that fig tree and when I did, I saw my wife in the kitchen window and so I reached up and I, I hadn't yet come inside so I reached up and I knocked on the window like that and she saw me and, and I heard her say love you and then I, I thought about the text for tonight that I'd been studying and I thought thank God I have a woman who loves you who loves me excuse me <laughs> she loves you too but who, who, who loves me and uh, reward your wife's love for you. Be so good to your wife that she will never regret that she loves you, that she ever loved you. Solomon said, verse 20 now, as we move into our new verse, And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? That's a good question, isn't it? He says, be ravished always with the love of your wife, but why would you, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? Now, I want you to notice in verse 19, 
where Solomon tells husbands to always be ravished with their wife's what? Love. But in verse 20, he doesn't ask, and why wilt thou be ravished with a strange woman's love? Do you see that? He just asks, why will you be ravished with a strange woman? You see, the love of a man's wife in verse 19 is missing in verse 20. There's no love at all in verse 20 <laughs> with a strange woman. A strange woman doesn't love you. So you can't be ravished with her love. You may be ravished with her beauty. You may be ravished with her personality. You may be ravished with some physical aspect or characteristic about her, but you can't be ravished with her love. She is a stranger to you, therefore she does not know you, therefore she cannot love you. So why would you want to ravish yourself or be ravished with a woman who doesn't care about you? Prostitutes stand on the street corners. How many of, how many of y'all have ever seen a prostitute? Yeah, almost everybody. They don't have any in Maybank, Miss Ann? Okay. <laughs> Not in a while, huh? All right. But, uh, you know, I've seen them. I was with a, uh, well, I've seen a bunch of them when I worked in Dallas. I'd be down there putting my bad guy in jail, and they had the vice squad. I, they'd bring a whole bunch of those prostitutes in. And uh, they'd all have the makeup on. They'd all have the the clothes, you know, to make it think themselves try to look attractive to men when they go by. I had I was with a with a, a, a young man one time, and we went up to the mall in Dallas to go shopping. He wanted to buy him some shoes. He worked at the hospital. I was young, and he invited me to come along with him. I went along with him, and he pulled a prank on me that he should not have done. He knew where the prostitutes were up there. So he goes to the bad part of town. I mean, we could have been robbed or anything. And he pulls up and uh, pulls right up so that my door, I was the pastor. I don't even think I had a driver's license at the time. He pulls right up there outside of a house of ill repute. And this prostitute looks at me and said, hey, baby. And I told him, I called her stupid. I said, shut up, stupid, something like that. I just kid, but it made me mad. And I told him, get us out of here. I felt very uncomfortable. And he drove away laughing. Well, it wasn't funny to me, but it was funny to him. But, hey, baby, boy, she liked seeing me. She was so glad to see me there. That woman didn't know anything about me. That woman didn't care about me. Prostitutes stand on the street corners. They paint themselves to up to make themselves appealing to their victims. They dress in scant, uh, scantily clad clothing as if to say, My body is for you. When I was a boy, I tell you what, I love barbershops. I've always wanted to own one. Never wanted to be a barber, but I always wanted to own one. If you ever want to go back into business, let me know. I'll build you a barbershop. I was in the barbershop as a little boy, and I was waiting on my turn for the barber chair. And while I was waiting, this, this woman walks in. She just, you know, 
walks in, pokes her head in. I think she was asking for her son. And she asked the barber. She was new there. She, I, 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 I assume she said, how much do you charge for a haircut? And the barber, real sincere like, said, for you, $4. And, and as a little boy at the time, I thought, well, this barber must be friends with this woman. Because he said, for you, $4. As if he was giving her some kind of special deal. But that lady wasn't impressed, and she barked back just as quick. She said, yeah, for many, me and anybody else who has $4. And then I looked up on the sign and said, haircuts, said haircuts, $4. And I thought, well, that wasn't anything special. The barber sounded like he was giving her a special deal. But he was ready to give out that special deal to anybody who had $4 to give him. And that prostitute didn't put that makeup on for you. That prostitute didn't dress up nice for you. Say, Brother Richard, why are you talking about this? We have no prostitutes in Maybank. You know what? We're not always in Maybank. And we've got a lot of truck drivers in this church. And I know there's prostitutes out there. But that prostitute didn't put that makeup on for you or those clothes on for you. That prostitute isn't smiling for you. That prostitute doesn't love you. She doesn't care about you at all. Like the barber. She may advertise something special for you, but she'll hire herself out to any dirty, smelly bum for the same price. So why be ravished with someone like that who's not ravished with you? Perhaps the strange woman is not a prostitute. Perhaps the strange woman is only a stranger to you in the sense that you know her as your co-worker, but you don't know her as your wife. Or your husband. Perhaps she's only strange to you because she is another man's wife. Or because she is a stranger to your marital union at home. Maybe the two of you have developed an affection for each other by working with each other over the years or months. And, and you know her pretty well and she knows you pretty well. You may say, we do love each other, Brother Richard. I love this other man's wife, in fact, more than I do my own. There's been a lot of people think that. But God's not pleased with that at all. That woman is strange to you because she does not belong to you. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't matter how you feel for that man or woman in the workplace or your neighborhood or wherever you know this person from. That woman or man is strange to you because they do not belong to you. If a woman doesn't belong to you, do you know what that means? God hasn't given her to you. So when you have an affair with another man's wife, you're giving yourself away to somebody that God hasn't given to you. When you have an affair with another man, you are giving yourself away to somebody that God hasn't given to you. And you're taking somebody that God has withheld from you. 
Does that, does that remind you of anything? You see, that's what makes it so wrong. You're taking something that God has withheld from you. It reminds me of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't it amazing how all sin really goes back to that simple basic day of what they did? You know what happened with the knowledge of good and evil? When she saw the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes. Ooh, look at that. I bet that tastes good. I bet that would really give me something. She was ravished with something that was not meant for her to have. Ravished with something that God had forbidden her to have. And, and, and in the same way, when, when we uh, uh, take another man or another woman and we embrace that person, in, uh, in, uh, whether in our heart or in our arms, then that we're doing like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're being ravished with something that's not meant for us to have. Therefore, we are ravished with our rebellion against our Creator. That's really what it's all about. So why would you do that? Look back in your text. Why would you do that and embrace the bosom of a stranger? You see how he's wording this? Why would you embrace the bosom of a stranger? God designed, and I've said this before, but it's so key to understanding this. I remember as a young man, I remember as a, as a young 20-something-year-old man wanting to do right. I, I wanted to be always faithful to my wife, and praise God, I was. But I remember praying and asking God, God, I want you to, I know it's wrong to commit adultery. I know, it, I know fornication is wrong. I want to know why it's wrong. I know you said it's wrong and that makes it wrong, but I want to understand how you think. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want to know how God thinks. So that I could have the same mindset about that as God. And you have to understand, God designed the husband and the wife. Remember what was missing in verse 20 that was, we saw in verse 19? Love was missing. It's all about love. God designed the husband and wife, to be instruments of His love to one another. I am an instrument of God's love to my wife. God loves my wife through me. She is an instrument of God's love to me. God loves me through my wife. It's a beautiful thing. God designed marriage so that He could love the wife through her husband and He could love the husband through His wife. Anything that we do to impede God loving our spouse through us is sin. That warm embrace of your spouse should be filled with God's love. There's a difference, you know. I mean, anyone can go hug a woman and embrace her and kiss her. Anybody can do that. You can go to a stranger and do that. You say, well, there's a pretty woman here. And they go hug her and kiss her. What's wrong with that? We'll just have a fling together tonight. 
What's wrong with that? There's a difference between hugging someone and enjoying the feeling of being held by a man or a woman and that of hugging your spouse and that hug being filled with the love of God. There's a big difference. Embracing a woman or a man that you're not married to, it can feel good physically. Would you all agree with that? Sure. But without God, your embrace will be empty spiritually. So I'm not worried about the spiritual part. Well, then I can't help you. But let me tell you something. My wife and I have a favorite little room in our house. Well, we enjoy watching. We'll sit down. We, it's all glass. And we'll enjoy. It's nothing fancy, I promise you. It, it, it's Brother Shepherd approved. Just plain old concrete floor. And the glass is cheap, aluminum, uh, single pane. But, uh, man, we love it. Because we can watch those birds feed out of the feeders. And uh, whether hummingbirds or they're eating seeds. We can watch our garden grow. The flowers in the spring. We absolutely love it. And right now it's cold in there. And so we have this. I got it at Tractor Supply. It's, it's a little infrared heater. It's about this wide. About that tall. It looks like a miniature wood burning stove. And you just. It's really handy. You just flip the switch. And that little heat comes out the bottom of it. And you know what else happens? Not only do we have instant heat, but we have the appearance of a fire flickering behind the glass. Flames going up. It's very relaxing to see flames, don't you think? Very relaxing. People love a real fire. And because of that, the the people who make these heaters, they include the aesthetics of flames in a lot of their heaters. How many of y'all have a heater like that? We've got several hands going up. You have good taste. They even have videos that you can either put in with a, 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 a DVD or to get on YouTube. I saw someone the other day had a beautiful home and he was, had a fire on his television. Had it on all day. I think it ran for 10 hours. Make it look like your TV is a fireplace. But as pleasant as all of that is, the flames aren't real. When I have a real fire going in my fireplace, I can smell that delicate scent of oak wood burning. I can hear the cracking of the logs, the little pops that come every now and then. I can feel the live hot coals radiating that heat and the light that glow in my living room. All without the cost of me paying the electric bill for that heat. It's very nice. Yes, sir, you can't beat the real thing. In church, when you embrace the bosom of a stranger, you may get the aesthetics, but the flame isn't real. There's a difference. God's not in that fire. So you may feel the warmth. First time you hold a boy's hand or a girl's hand, there's that warm glow. 
That's all physical. You may feel the warmth, but without God, you'll never have the flame. When I come home from work and I embrace my wife, I kid you not, I kid you not, it is a holy experience. When I hold my wife in my arms and I tell her I love her, it's a holy experience. I remember my wife telling me that years back. She said, it's, it's like worship. It's holy. And it is holy. Why is it like worship? Why is it holy? Because sometimes when I hold my wife, all I can think about is how much God loves me to have given her to me. But you know what? If you take someone that God hasn't given you, you can't have that. Because He hasn't given that man or woman to you. You took that person against the will of God. Just like Eve took that fruit against the will of God. Eve, when we, when we sit down to eat food, we say, I thank you God for the food I'm about to receive. You know, when you take a strange man or a strange woman, you can't say, I thank you, Lord, for the man or the woman that I'm about to take. You can't give God thanks for it. So you can't worship God for it. You can't praise Him for it. The flame's not real. There's a difference. And sadly... Many people will live their entire lives with the infrared heater. That's all they'll ever know. I know the flame of God's love in my wife's embrace, but God will never love you through an adulterous relationship. God will never love you through fornication. A biblical marriage is the instrument of God's love Fornication is the cause of God's judgment. Solomon says, don't embrace a strange woman, verse 21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. That's a warning there. You may sneak away to an out-of-town hotel. You may wait until your spouse is out of town and invite your lover over. You may think... Nobody can see your sinful affair. You've got it so covered up. But your eyes, I'm sorry, your ways, quote, are before the eyes of the Lord. Look back in your text. And he pondereth all his goings. Now remember that word pondereth. Don't forget what we've learned here in the Proverbs. The word pondereth here in the Hebrew has to do with paving a road. Remember that? So God is paving all of His goings. He's paving a road out of all of His goings. God sees everything you do and He ponders. He literally paves a way with your goings or your actions. Okay? He makes a road with your actions. And that basically means... Your sins will eventually catch up to you. Solomon said, verse 22, His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself. What's going to take the wicked? His own iniquities. 
In our language today, we might say God makes a rope with our actions. And that rope will eventually tie us up. Sometimes we say just give enough rope and they'll hang themselves. And that's what God does. He, he, he paves the road with their iniquities. He says, all right, that's, I see what you're doing. But I want you to know, you're, going, you're walking that road and you're going to reach the destination of that road you're taking. Your own iniquities uh, are going to be like rope and they're going to bind you. He says, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, look back to the text, and he shall be holden or bound with the cords of his sin. His own sins or her own sins will bind them. A lot of times we think, man, I, you know, marriage is, it just, it, it, it binds us. I want to be free. Free to go out with who I want to. Free to sleep with who I want to. But you see the result. When you're free from God's word, you're bound by your own actions. You, you can, freedom comes from the Lord. God did not imprison the Israelites. He freed them from Egypt. Freed them. He shall be holden with the cords of his sins. His own sins will bind him. I'm so thankful that the relationship I have with my wife is one in which God will bless me. Church, don't have a relationship in which your sins will bind you. Enjoy one in which God will bless you. Don't take what God has not given. If you cannot say, God, I thank you for this, then what you're about to partake of will soon be ropes on your hands. Do not have the strange embrace. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you, Father, for giving us such clear, poignant truth. You tell us what we're supposed to do. You tell us what's good for us. You tell us what's going to happen if we don't do it. You give us such clear warnings. Help us, Lord, as we believe you concerning your son in his death for us on the cross. Let us believe you concerning these things too. Let us believe you concerning everything in your word that we can walk in the freedom of obedience rather than be bound in our disobedience. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, and I pray for all the young people listening today. I pray for them, Father, and those who, uh, even the older ones, but especially the young ones, I pray that even though this is maybe a little few years ahead of them, I pray that the lessons will reside in their hearts and you'll protect them, Father, in the years to come. In Jesus' name. Amen.